To sign up for our announcements, send a blank email to radio-announce plus subscribe at acblists.org. That's radio-announce plus subscribe at acblists.org. Opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of the respective program contributors and do not necessarily reflect views held by the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Hello, everyone. This is Becky Dunkerson, Secretary of ACB Diabetics in Action. Um, We are very glad to have you along with us. Um, Danette, do you want to set the recording so that it's recording? Yes, I can do that. Uh, and um, because we have a speaker tonight, um, I think we'll just go ahead and jump right into our speaker. Um, it looks like we have 16 people here. Just to kind of give a quick rundown, we've got Danette Dixon, <laughs> um, Barbara, Tom Jones, um, Tom Tobin. Becky, do you record to the cloud or the computer? The cloud. Cloud. Uh, Kim K. Uh, Chris Green, Pierre uh, from Louisiana, um, Desiree is our uh, wonderful streamer, Marty uh, from Pennsylvania is here. We've got quite a full house here, and we've got more people jumping on. So, yep. Danette, do you want to introduce our speaker to us? Yes, I can do that in just a sec. Let me make sure that that's recording. Danette, this is Shauna. I was going to ask you, is there possibly a way to not record only because legally my company, you know, prefers that we not record, but I don't know if that's going to disrupt anything with ACB. It is going to be on the radio though. We are live streaming though. Okay. And it will probably be recorded. I can turn off the recording. Nope. Yeah. I think Shana, um, this is Tom Tobin. I think that, uh, ACB radio probably records these, um, beyond what we're doing I, I think that's how it works tonight so okay i don't know if we can turn that off or not to be no, honest with you shana no, no. Yeah. okay being from a national level right right so okay. i apologize for that but i think it's kind of out of our power okay understand so. do you want to pause the recording stop the recording yes no no okay i mean the, the recording to the cloud yes yes keep that going and while she's doing that, Shannon, I would just say that this will be broadcast across our radio station, and it'll be archived uh, so that people that can't listen to it now um, can listen to it later. Okay. Uh, so, so you'll get, you know, Vanda will get much broader uh, visibility um, for people that can't tune in tonight. Uh, oh. So there is a benefit to having it recorded Um I don't think you're going to say anything that's uh, a corporate um, secret or whatever. Uh, right. We'll, right we'll, no. we'll, we'll keep it to ourselves, Shana. <laughs> <laughs> All but right, uh, I think the idea here is to try and not only talk about, you know, 924 to us diabetic yes. folks, but um, to make it, make it available to our greater uh, membership, which really numbers over 10,000. So, um, and, I, and we are very grateful to you as an organization for your financial support of our conventions and other things. So thank you very much. Oh, you're welcome to all of you. We're happy to be a, a partnership and um, be able to to provide this education and also support ACB as a whole nationally, um, statewide and locally. Okay. You guys do so it can all. Everybody, can everybody please mute while Shauna does her little talk and then we'll ask for questions in a bit. And we can, I'm probably going to raise hands because there's a few people here. So if we can do that, that would be great. 
Okay. And I yeah. have stopped the recording, so we're good the, okay. the, to the cloud. So, yes. And we, we have a small enough group, you know, under, under 20 of us to where mm-hmm. if you have a question, um, raise your hand or just unmute and speak. I don't mind being interrupted if it's more of a discussion style. Um, that way we can get your question addressed or if you have something to share about sleep struggles. I do not mind that at all. Mm-hmm. So just to give you a little background, my name is Shauna Jatho. I'm a clinical nurse educator with Vanda Pharmaceuticals. And what my role is, is to increase awareness on this very rare condition that affects mainly individuals who are totally blind, but also those with limited vision. And I should say limited light perception or no light perception, which we'll talk more about. So I will speak on the condition itself. Um, If you have any further questions outside of the condition, non-24, um, then I'll talk at the end of the program as far as um, opportunities um, to where you can get set up with our health educator. So non-24, it's short for non-24 circadian rhythm sleep-wake disorder. So that's a very long condition name. It's narrowed into non-24, N-O-N-24 for short. Easier term to remember and understand. There may be a word in that condition name that is familiar or not familiar, circadian. So that's what I want to start the discussion with, is to talk about what does circadian mean? What is our circadian rhythm? What's going on inside of our body that's causing these symptoms of non-24? So that way you have a better understanding of this condition itself. So the three main symptoms of non-24 is difficulty falling asleep at night, difficulty getting a full night's sleep, and or difficulty staying awake during the day. You don't have to have all three of these symptoms, and the symptoms may come and go, and we'll talk about that a little more in detail. So the word circadian, C-I-R-C-A-D-I-A-N. If we break down that term, circa means approximate or about, and diaz means day. So circadian is approximately one day. That word approximate is very important. Our bodies live in your typical 24-hour world. Our clocks follow a very strict 24-hour timing system. Well, our bodies naturally, for most of us, tend to function a little longer than 24 hours. So Miss Becky may have a circadian rhythm of 24 hours and two minutes and Ms. Mr. Tom, you may have a circadian rhythm of 24 hours and five minutes. Um, it could be different for each of us. Uh, we wouldn't know what our rhythm is unless we had a specific sleep study to determine that. But just hang on to that point there because I'm going to come back to it, that we all have a circadian rhythm. For most of us, it's a little longer than 24 hours. So keep in mind that all of the cells in our body follows a circadian rhythm. Our sleep and wake cycle is just one type of circadian rhythm. To give you a few other examples, just to provide a little bit better understanding of what our circadian rhythms do, keep in mind that our appetite is a circadian rhythm. Our body gives us cues and signals when it's hungry. Our body temperature is a circadian rhythm. Our body temperature is usually cooler at night while we're resting or sleeping and warm during the day while we're up, moving around, and active. And also our hair and nail growth is a circadian rhythm. Our hair and nails tend to grow more at night versus during the day. So these are to give you some examples that 
our body is given us cues and signals to do things at certain time. So our sleep and wake cycle, it's very important and vital to our body, our system as a whole, to be able to have that routine sleep and wake pattern. If not, it could cause disruption in our day-to-day life and the quality of our life. So the big question is, well, how does our body know when it's day and when it's night? So this is getting into a little bit of the biology of what we talk about with our circadian rhythm, what's happening inside of our body. So our body needs a cue, a signal, remember, to get that routine day and night cycle. And we get this through light. So here's the connection with those of us who are either totally blind or have limited light perception is our body prefers natural sunlight, but we can also get light artificial means, meaning, you know, electricity, the lights in our homes. So our body can process this light. It sends a signal to the specialized cells of the retina in the back of the eye. So this light is perceived through our eyes, the specialized cells of the retina in the back of the eye, which is then transmitted from the back of the eye to our master body clock in the brain. Our master body clock is a lay term. The official medical term for it is suprachiasmatic nucleus. So for most of us, master body clock is easier to remember and understand. So think of it as a clock in our brain telling us to do things, giving us signals or cues to do things at a certain time of day or night. So what we're focused on with non-24 is our sleep and wake circadian rhythm. So for those of us who are totally blind or limited light perception, what happens is our body is not able to reset every day. So what do I mean by reset? So going back to that point about the example I gave, Miss Becky would have a circadian rhythm timing of 24 hours and two minutes. And Mr. Tom may have had a circadian rhythm timing of 24 hours and five minutes. What this light does is erases that extra time, that extra two minutes or that extra five minutes every day to put us back in sync with the 24-hour world that we live in so that we have that routine day and night sleep and wake schedule. But if we're not able to process enough or any light perception, then our body runs on its own time. And that's what leads to the erratic sleeping patterns of what non-24 is known for. So that gives you a little background, a little idea of what is our circadian rhythm so that now we can talk about more of the symptoms and some facts of non-24. So for pointing out those three main symptoms, let's keep in mind that we all have a circadian rhythm cycle. Well, different from our circadian rhythm, remember our rhythm is every 24 hours and should reset. Our circadian rhythm cycle, it's different for each of us also. One of us may have a circadian rhythm cycle of a month, may take us a month and a half or two months to get through one cycle. So with that being said, let's start with that first symptom, difficulty falling asleep at night. So let's say your bedtime is 10 o'clock in the evening. If you're towards the beginning or near the end of your circadian rhythm cycle, you'll probably fall asleep around your bedtime. But remember, we're hanging on to that extra time because we don't have the light to erase it. So our, our days and nights start shifting and drifting. So a few weeks or a month into your cycle, 
you may find it extremely difficult to fall asleep. You know, it may take you an hour. It may take you a few hours to fall asleep. The second main symptom, difficulty getting a full night's sleep, maintaining that sleep. So by the time you fall asleep, this is how some individuals have described it to me is I wake up in the middle of the night, um, wide awake. I may be able to fall back asleep some nights, other nights I'm up. Um, uh, it's uncontrollable. I can't go back to sleep, which could be incredibly frustrating, um, especially if you are having to get up the next day to go to work, school, quality time, social activities, whatever's important and going on and what you have planned for the next day. That could be extremely frustrating when you had a break in your sleep pattern, um, whether that's you know one night or happens every so often throughout your cycle that could really cause impairment in each of our quality of lives. And then the third main symptom, difficulty staying awake during the day. So think of this as our cycle, our circadian rhythm cycle. If you're weeks into it, and let's say you're at the middle of your cycle, the complete opposite, and it is one o'clock in the afternoon. But if we're on the completely opposite end of our cycle, then our body is sensing that it's one o'clock in the in what's one o'clock in the morning that I want to I want to go to sleep, but it's truly in middle of the afternoon, which for most of us is the time where we want to be awake, moving around, and active. So our body is all mixed up because of the lack of light perception. So that's the three main symptoms there, and those symptoms are cyclical with non twenty four the sleep struggles are cyclical. These symptoms can come and go. So like we discussed, there may be some days and nights where you have no difficulty falling asleep or staying asleep or staying awake. And there may be some other days and nights where you know it takes you a little while to get to sleep or you might wake up, but you can easily go back to sleep or you may have to take a nap or feel a little drowsy one day. And to the bitter extreme where you're falling asleep with a drop of a hat during the day, or you're up and awake for hours at night or can't go back to sleep. So that's the cyclical nature of non-24. Different from true sleep disorders like insomnia. Insomnia is a common sleep disorder that many of us have heard of. It's a very routine difficulty sleeping at night for routine-wise, whereas non-24, remember, the symptoms can come and go. Some facts about non-24 is... Non-24 affects up to 70% of individuals who are totally blind. That's a very high percentage, 7-0, because of the lack of light perception. So our totally blind community is more at risk of developing non-24. But you can have limited light perception and still develop non-24. There are some individuals who are fully sighted who can develop non-24, but that number, that percentage is low. Um, these individuals are able to perceive light through our eyes, but there's a disconnect there from pr- getting that light perception from the back of the eye to the clock in the brain due to some sort of injury that's going on. Non-24 affects both men, men, men and women equally at any age. Usually individuals, uh, when you start to have or notice vision impairment, you may start to notice sleep struggles. 
And if your vision symptoms worsen, your sleep symptoms may worsen. So that gives you a little bit of an overview here of what non-24 is. Being in a setting like this where, you know, didn't want to overwhelm you with too much information, but provide you with just enough information to at least remember and catch those few main points. So if you're struggling with sleep and have vision impairment, if you would like to learn more about non-24 and or if you'd like your doctor to learn more about non-24, then for those reasons, that's why we have a specialized program where we're able to set you up with what we call our health educators. And our health educators work with you one-on-one over the phone to provide as much or as little support that you need. It's a program that's free. It's catered to what your needs are. Some individuals keep in close contact with their health educators. They're struggling with sleep. They want their doctor educated now and to learn, what do I do? What is my next step? And then there's other individuals where they just want the information mailed to them so that they can learn more about non-24, do their own research, and have their health educators contact info so that they can reach out um, when when that time is right, when they have other questions um, or ready to, you know, educate and work with communicating with the doctor. And when I say, you know, educating the doctor, because this is such a rare condition, there's still many doctors out there who have not heard of non-24. And we wouldn't expect you to go in and have that consultation or your visit with your doctor and feel like you need to educate your doctor on this very rare condition. Um, We have specialized account managers and that's what their role is. So our health educators would set up account manager to go in and speak with your doctor when that time is appropriate. But for a setting like this, and since it's uh, more on national level on the radio, just to be uh, confidential, if what we can do is if you're interested in getting set up with a health educator, I will have just a a quick um, call with you when it's convenient just to gather some information for the health educator to reach out to you. Um, It would just be just a really quick call with you. Um, but if you're able to provide your name and your number to Danette, and then when the best time to reach you, so that way I can get you set up with a health educator and, you know, we can be respectful of, um, you know, each of us remaining confidential in that respect. But what I'll do now is I'll open up the floor for if anyone has any questions or to share any sleep struggles. I can put Shauna's email and phone number out on the ACB email list, ACBDA email list, if Shauna doesn't mind. Yes. Mm -hmm. And I think, I think most of us are on its phone right now. So I don't think that would do any good as far as listing my contact information under the chat. Right. I don't think they have the chat turned on. I don't, I don't know about the chat. Okay. So yeah. So you can share my information too. You can reach out to me personally, Mm -hmm. email or um, my, my phone. Um, I have a flexible schedule. Um, if you prefer to leave your information, then I will reach out to you. Donna? Yes. It's Marty. I, I've i been on, um, actually, I was on the original VEC-162 study when it was Tazimelkian about 10 years ago. Yes. So, but how how would someone be tested or evaluated? They, they think they have non-24, because, I mean, there are other problems like apnea and stuff. So how how would someone be evaluated? Yeah, good question, Marty. Thanks for bringing that up. 
So non, non 24 is, um, for the most part, it can be diagnosed in subjective ways, meaning conversation that you have with your doctor. Um, if you have a sleep journal or sleep diary, or just keep a memory bank of your sleep struggles, you know, as far as if you had difficult time falling asleep in a given night, or you woke up in the middle of the night, or you felt really drowsy or had to take so many naps one day, just to keep a sleep journal or a diary, um, you know, even for at least a month at a, a, a month's given time, just to where you can catch a full cycle there or start to see some erratic patterns. If you're just doing, you know, tracking your sleep for like a week or two weeks, you may not necessarily catch that erraticness in your sleep. Um, So having that discussion with your doctor about sleep struggles, um, how it's, you know, impacted your life. And then as far as the schedule of your sleep and wake is very important to discuss with your doctor. Um, there are sleep studies that can diagnose non-24, and that's more so, you know, a discussion to have with your doctor um, if they feel that that's appropriate. Okay. Nikki has her hand raised. Nikki, you can unmute. <clears throat> Mar- Marty, did that answer your question? Well, I, I thought there were more. See, when I was in the original study, when it was, when, when they, when Vanda wanted to get FDA approval, yes. I had, because of the study, I had urinalysis done. So I had actually specific um, tests or, or things done. They actually determined my tau, you know, which was yeah, like 23 yes. and a half. So that's yeah, so I mean. it's a good point there that they can test and check with melatonin and excretion and things like that, which gets into a little bit more details. But um, it's difficult to say, you know, as far as um, it depends on um, doctor insurance. There's a lot of different factors um, as far as an actual diagnosis, but it can be, um, you know, as far as um, with ha- the doctor who you have the best rapport with, who knows your full medical history, um, and then can have recommendations. And also along with the account manager in that respect, um, educating with the doctor to know what should be done, maybe different for each. Thanks. Okay. Nikki, right, go ahead. Hi. Um, I have, hi. Uh, thank you for doing this. I have several questions. One, because the sleep is disrupted um, at various intervals, is the medication like daily or you take it when you're having sleep trouble? Yeah. So unfortunately, in a, a setting like this, the purpose of educating on the condition itself to increase the awareness. We don't talk about treatment um, because we want so that you're well aware of the condition itself and receive this education. Um, Treatment is a whole different discussion. Um, Treatment for one person may not be the same for another, but if you would like to learn about treatment options, then Speaking with our health educator in a one-on-one setting, they will be able to answer questions about that, that I'd be happy to um, set you up with our health educator, Mickey. Okay. And another question is, um, the medication helps with your circadian rhythm. Does it affect when you take the medication, anything else like your appetite and other things that's affected by the circadian rhythm? Well, so unfortunately, that question, the same, any kind of treatment talk, 
I, I am not allowed to answer, but our health educators, you know, because we don't want you to learn about non-24 and then not be able to understand, well, then what are my options? What is their treatment and what is my next step? The health educators can go into a lot more detail in a one-on-one setting about that, that they can answer any treatment question. Okay. And then my last question is, because the condition is considered rare, um, do most health insurances cover it? (laughs) These are really good questions. And the health educator would be able to answer that um, because I I don't work with the insurance companies. My role is to work with each of you out in the community, those who are visually impaired and totally blind. Um, So I don't work on the inside part of it as far as on the insurance end. But the health educator will certainly be able to um, close the loop and answer those concerns for you. Okay, thank you. If you get with Danette and if you want to provide your contact number and then I can have a conversation with you, you know, just to gather some info for the health educator to reach out to you. We cannot take the con- the phone number or email on the on the Zoom. We can't do that. Right. That's what I'm saying. In right. a yeah. private, private setting. And yeah. then you can pass it along to me. Yeah. If you're on the email, the ACBDA email list, I will put it out there t- tonight. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Sure. Hi, Doug. Good evening. Can you hear me? Yes, yes. sir. Okay, I guess I have a, a question, and it would be that um, with uh, the non-24, do the uh, health educators or doctors or whatever, do they do tests or ask questions to determine if the problem that <coughs> those of us that are visually impaired are having, whether it's true, truly due to non-24 as possibly diagnosed, or if it could be a matter of, uh, I guess, I think the term is poor sleep hygiene or or bad sleep, you know, sleeping habits. Yes, Yes, sleep hygiene is an actual term, sleep hygiene. Um, And it may be different for each doctor or, you know, the, the, the provider, um, as to what they feel comfortable with, or if it's insurance involvement, what the insurance may need. So that, that could be individualized. Does that make sense? Yes. Thank you. You're welcome. Any other questions or anyone to share? Debbie, you want to unmute? Debbie, you can unmute, please. Okay. Um, and when we talk doc, when we talk doctor, are we talking ophthalmologist or family practitioner or? Oh, good question, Debbie. So um, when I say healthcare provider, or sometimes I, I do change that and say doctor, um, it could be your primary care doctor, internal, medicine, it could be your psychiatrist, it could be an eye specialist. Um, if individuals have a sleep specialist, it could also be a nurse practitioner, physician's assistant. So I should group all of that with healthcare provider, okay. whichever doctor that you have a good rapport with that you would go to and discuss sleep struggles with is okay. maybe a good starting point. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's great. And I'm I'm very interested in getting more information. And Danette, I'm not sure that I am on a list that you're referring to. Um, how can I make sure that I get your information? Send an email. Can you send an email to community at acb.org? Cindy will get you, will put you in contact with me and I'll send you the information. 
So community, I, I get the daily list. From okay. Community. Tell, send an e, put an email at community community at acb.org. Tell Cindy, put your, put your contact information in that email and tell Cindy that you want me to get that contact information. I'll send oh, it to you. Okay. And, it's, and your name is Danette. Yes. Danette Dixon. Yes. Mm-hmm. Thank, thank you very mm-hmm. much. Debbie, are you able to jot down my contact info? I'll I'll give my number and anybody yes, can jot it I'm, down. I'm sitting here. Whoa, wait a minute. Is this is this your work number or is it your personal number? It's my work number. Okay. Yeah, okay. I'm I'm writing Braille right now. So you Okay. Yeah. It's 202 202 538 536 Nine six, and I'll Thank repeat you. it. It's two zero two five three eight zero three nine six. Good. Your first name again was Shauna S H A U N A U N A. Thank you so much, Shauna. You're welcome, Carla. You can unmute. Mary Carla. Okay. Um, um, I, I think I think this is a general enough question that you might be able to answer. But what I was wondering is, I, I really suspect I've got it. But um, my question is, do does everybody require seven or eight hours of sleep? Or, you know, I consistently get four or five. But um, I mean, is can some people, is that, can, can you survive on four or five hours of sleep or is that a problem is what I'm trying to say. Is there some, are there some people that need less sleep than others, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. It's different for each of us. I mean, there's like a, you know, recommendation for the number of hours of sleep, but there's individuals who have get less sleep um, and have a great, you know, quality of life and a routine day and night schedule. And there's other individuals who uh, sleep more than like a given eight hours. Um, so that could be different for each of us. Well, would you say that somebody who's blind or visually, you know, like I'm total. So would I require less sleep than a fully sighted person or somebody that uses their sight even on a, um, well, more of a basis than I do, um, during the day, um, does does that use up more energy, and does, do you require more sleep if you have sight? And so maybe the fact that I don't use my eyes, maybe I don't require as much sleep, or do I have a problem? I know I, I do have trouble sometimes falling asleep doing things, but that's another story. Yeah, that's a good question, Carla. I don't know the answer to that. I'm not sure if there's been specific studies. It may be something to research um, to find out if any studies have been done to to prove or not prove that, but not to my knowledge. Interesting, though. Chris, you can unmute. I just wanted to make a remark, especially after that last comment. I think that we need to not confuse the amount of sleep that's required with the cycle because the cycle isn't such that you'd have 12 hours of sleep and 12 hours of awake time. If you have or only a four-hour sleeper, you're still on a 24-hour cycle that needs to be set every 24 hours, regardless of when you sleep and wake. Yep, that's a good point. But yes, in the whole big picture there, it's that, yes, we live in a 24-hour world and we want our body to be able to be reset 
um, and maybe, you know, not to get so stuck on a particular number, um, but, you know, concentrate on hours sleep, and, but concentrating on, is it erratic? Do your symptoms come and go? Um, do you feel rested? Do you feel like you got enough sleep? Right. Because, you know, once your cycle's adjusted to where you're resetting at 24 and you're a four hour sleeper, then that might mean, you're, you know, every night you go to sleep at midnight and you're awake by four rather than, you know, slipping into 1215 and 1230 and moving that way all the time. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Doug, you can unmute. Yes, I uh, have a kind of a question slash comment, I guess. And that would be for those of us that um, are, you know, can see at low amounts of light. A lot of times light will hurt our eyes. So, so, so some of us that will take, will, you know, try to keep more light around or expose ourselves to light to, you know, try to, to reset our clocks or do whatever we do. We can do that. But then the problem is that, uh, um, can cause discomfort or pain or irritation with our eyes. And so I'm wondering if that is an issue that uh, uh, the non-24 uh, people are aware with or, or, or deal with. So if you have light sensitivity, but your eyes are not blocked or have blackout shades and your body's able to perceive light, then it may be able to get that signal to the brain and not affect your sleep struggles. Um, but if you're light sensitive and you're staying in, you know, complete dark room or, you know, having the shades on things like that, then, you know, it, you may find a struggle with your sleep. Yes. I'm wondering if other people have had that issues or, you know, if there's any techniques or whatever. I know you, this is a to, for individual treatment, but, you know, I'm just wondering if that's an issue that has other people have had. Yeah, it's interesting to bring up. And that's why I appreciate discussions like this, because, you know, a question or a comment that you have, someone else may have too. Um, But as far as I have spoken to many individuals who have light sensitivity, um, but as far as what helps or what hasn't helped, then that's beyond my scope of being able to, you know, to, to give advice in that respect. Does that make sense, Doug? Yes. Thank you. You're welcome. So question, so would it, would it be smart, like if we maybe think that we have non-24, to leave the lights on and make them stronger light bulbs or get brighter lights in the house? So if you have light perception, if you're able to perceive oh, light, okay. so yeah. let's say it's bedtime and, mm-hmm. you know, we have our bedside lamps on and we're able to perceive light you know, when we're ready to go to bed, then we shut off the lights, you know, usually turn off the TV, things like that, you know, mm-hmm. our phone, computer to where the, the light is off so that we can, you know, then trigger our body that we're ready to go to sleep. Okay. And this is something totally different from like sleep apnea, correct? Yeah. So the best okay. way that I could describe the difference there is Um, You know, with sleep apnea, non-24, like many other conditions, you can have the same sleep struggles, the same symptoms, Mm -hmm. you know, they can kind of mimic each other in a way, but the root cause is different. So with sleep apnea, the best way to describe it in simplistic terms is sleep apnea is lack of oxygen to the brain. With non-24, it's lack of light to the brain. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. No more questions. All righty. So. 
<laughs> I'll ask a dumb question. <clears throat> so no questions be- dumb. <laughs> because I don't have the I don't have the, the lights on in the house hardly at all because it keeps the power bill down and I don't see anything. Um, is that a problem? So you have no light perception? No. Mm-mm. So when you say, is it a problem? Meaning if you did have all the lights on and you don't have any light perception, then from the non 24 and sleep component is your body's not able to take in that light perception. So whether you had the lights on or not, Okay. If you're not having any light perception, then it's going to be difficult to get that signal to the master body clock in the brain. Right. I have the drapes open, but not the lights on normally. Yeah. So. Yeah. Oh, I think I saw him. Marilyn? So, Carla? Carla? Yes. I, I hate to ask a second question, but you're making me think about things. <laughs> That's dangerous, mm-hmm. by the way. <laughs> um, the um, question that I had is... you. <coughs> You sort of um, sort of um, went over it fast, but is there sleep hygiene that can help in this case? Like, um, for example, is it better or not better to leave a radio on softly when you go to sleep? Or um, if I do leave my my lady A on, should I tell her to shut off and about you know set a sleep timer so that she just puts me to sleep and shut it off? Or is it best not to have sound around you to get a better you know REM sleep and everything? Yeah. So Carla, you know, to answer that question, it would be like I would be giving you my opinion or advice, which I'm not able to. But just from a broad standpoint that where you mentioned, um, you know, your radio, um, some individuals can sleep well with a radio or a TV. Other individuals can't, whether it's the light or the sound, even like you could still go to sleep either way or not go to sleep. So I think that's more individualized. Does that help to clarify? Yes, it does. Sometimes if I don't leave it on, any little minuscule noise will wake me up. Whereas if it's on, it won't. And this is going to sound goofy, but sometimes I'll time my dishwasher so that I can um, have the dishwasher going when I'm going to sleep. And that sort of lulls me to sleep. <laughs> oh, there you go. On. That That's, that's creative. a good idea. Yeah. Yeah, finding ways that help. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. All righty. Mr. Phil Jones, you can unmute. I agree, Rhonda. Sometimes, uh, oftentimes, I find myself falling asleep really easily when I sit up or recline. Uh, It's better when I do that than when I'm actually lying flat. So does does body position sometimes make a difference as far as uh, being able to fall asleep? Yeah, I'm sure. See, y'all are bringing up a lot of different points that may work for someone and may not work for the other. You know, like I say, like, Someone may have really difficulty falling asleep sitting upright, whereas like in your case, you say you can fall asleep easily. So it's like doing what works best for you in that respect. Um, Um, Phil falls asleep in his rocking chair. <laughs> he must be right physically I'm rocking. Like computer, so I'm not in my rocking chair. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> That's what feels like. the whole thing if I'm in my, in my rocking chair. Yeah, <laughs> That's a, <laughs> I'd probably fall asleep in a rocking chair. <laughs> um, let's see. No more hands are raised and nobody's unmuted. There we go. Yep. We had a lot of great 
friends. And I appreciate also, um, you know, sharing, um, you know, to your group and whomever else listens on what has worked or hasn't worked. Um, mm-hmm. We all need to be advocates for ourselves and for each other sure. too. For sure. Mm-hmm. I do appreciate um, non Vanda Pharmaceuticals non twenty four attending and and speaking at our and being in the convention halls at our conventions. Yes, yes, we <laughs> so miss being in person. So yes. I'm keeping fingers crossed that it's it's some. Um, you know, we'll be back in person. Uh, yep. Us as that, like I say, as the nurse educators, we're usually meeting with each of you in person, mm-hmm. um, and yep. I, I terribly miss that. But um, hopefully, you know, come and look for us and find us at one of the booths. You'll have one of us nurse educators there. I think Shauna has joined, has visited most all of our Washington State chapters. Most of them. Most of them, I have. There's a few that I have not yet. Right. Most of them, I have. Yep. So Monday night, she talked to our diabetic group in here in Washington State. And next month, she's talking to our King County chapter, South King County Council of the Blind. So, yeah. If any of you are a part of, you know, a different group outside of where, you know, Danette is, um, and you would like to have a nurse educator come and speak to your individual chapter with ACB, Mm -hmm. um, you know, you can reach out to me and then I will set you up with whomever nurse educator that is. We have four of us that live in different areas around the country. Mm-hmm. Um, so yep. depending on what state that you're in, uh, we'd be more than happy to, um, you know, provide a presentation, uh, mm-hmm. either, you know, Zoom, telephonic, or wait until we're able to meet in person again. So you can reach out to me and I will yep. get you connected, whether that's with myself or one of our sure. other nurses. Thank you. Becky, you can unmute. I just Hi, wanted Becky. to, um, first of all, um, thank you, Shauna, for coming and speaking to us. Um, and not seeing any other ra- hands raised, I just kind of wanted to take a few minutes before we um, run out of time to let people know um, that we do have our Saturday chat coming up this coming Saturday on the 17th. Um, the next Monday night uh, conversation uh, Let's Talk Diabetes should be on uh, the 26th at 7, oh, 8 Eastern. Yeah. Um, yeah. The yep. Saturday chat is at 5 uh, p.m. Eastern. The same, then, the same Zoom link. I'm sorry? The, this, same Zoom the link, same yes. Zoom link, yes. Yes, yes. And also, if um, if you want to contact any of us here with ACB Diabetics in Action, um, Tom can give you some information on that. Um, if you miss Shauna's information, perhaps after Tom uh, gives uh, his information, Shauna, maybe you can give um, your information again before we uh, lose the people that are out there on ACB radio. And um, I'm just thankful that they uh, are providing this um, streaming so that they can listen as well. Sure. Becky, you were doing so well. I was going to let you roll right on through it. But, uh, uh, this is Tom Jones, and uh, I happen to be a, a director on the board of uh, American Council of Blind Diabetics in Action, happening also to be the membership chair. I encourage a lot of folks to, uh, if they feel like they want to uh, join our little membership, it is $10 a year. And to do that, you can send an email to ACBDA 
O-R-G, that's ACB Diabetics in Action, uh, O-R-G organization, but then just to put the letters in, A-C-B-D-A-O-R-G at gmail.com. And Becky can get back to you with all the information and how to proceed with sending either the check in or you can actually go on our website and 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 you can actually go on our membership. At this point, I'm not sure how well that's functioning. So I, I don't want to really say anything. We're going to be doing some changing with the website. And I don't know what degree of alteration it has gone through already. So I think the thing to do right now would be to get a hold of ACBDA-ORG by email. And Becky will guide you through whatever process is necessary at that point. Um, if you want to become a part of our email list, which is not, you don't have to be a member to be on it at this point. You can send an email to acb-diabetics plus subscribe at acblists.org. And our president, Chris Gray, who is uh, managing the email list at this point, uh, will make sure that you get on. Uh, It's pretty much an automated thing. You get an email back asking if you want to confirm the concept of joining, you uh, go ahead and okay that email by just a simple uh, enter on the link or click on the link, and that will put you on. And uh, let's see, is there anything else I need to say, Becky? Uh, I think we've covered it pretty well. I think that's good. Mm -hmm. And we are going to be going through some changing on our website. So uh, our website is up at this point, but how functional it is right now, I'm not positive. We're going to be taking some things down and putting some other things up, maybe. And we're doing that uh, at this point. Uh, we have gone through our membership drive for this year, but it's it's a continuing effort. Every day is a membership drive day, as far as we are concerned. So we're glad to have you aboard and... Thank you very much for the opportunity to run my little commercial. We got longer than I thought it was kind of supposed to be. So (laughs) I will run a little commercial now. I am chair of the convention committee, and I want everybody to be pretty excited because we have big stuff happening at our convention. We're doing a Saturday social, and then Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, we're doing something. But it's a secret. I can't tell you. So, but be excited. So, there. (laughs) That's great. And she's not kidding. We have a real presentation for a convention, folks. And uh, it's going to be in July. and The 16th to the 23rd. That is correct. And all week long, things are going to happen with Diabetics in Action. So stay tuned for all the details. Oh. And we are going to do the Brenda Dillian Memorial Walk. So, yes. Yes. To everybody who suggested a name, and I can't remember which name won, but thank you. <laughs> thank you. Becky, you can take it away again from here. Well, I was just going to ask Shauna if she could um, provide her information again. Yep. Uh, people that might not have had a chance to get it jotted down, they can do that now. Um, sure. and then, so if you don't happen to get it this time, then if you want to send me an email, I can certainly pass it on for you as well. Yeah. My name is Shauna, S-H-A-U-N-A, Jatho, J-A-T-H-O. And my contact number is 202-538-0396. 202-538-0396. Sean, is that the same phone number that's on the bottom of your emails? 
Or is that your cell number? Yes, that's the same. Okay, good. Because that's yes. what I'll be sending out to the to the ACB email group list for those that are on it. Yes. Yes, that'll have my email and my um, contact number. Mm-hmm. And thank you all so much for having me be a part of your group tonight. 